I'm excited for you to hear from my friend Kelly. Our paths crossed in 2005 when we worked together in the school system at Cabot, Arkansas. She shares about a time in her life where her family was in the middle of the refiner's fire. But just like the three Hebrew men, she and her family came out of this fire not even smelling of smoke. She remained consistent in her faith and God showed up time and time again. I hope you're encouraged by her story today. Hi, Kelly. I appreciate you being here with us today. Would you please share a bit about yourself and share about a refining time in your life? Sure, Deb. Thanks so much for having me. Um, So uh, about myself, my name is Kelly Dollarhide. Uh, I've been married to Jack Dollarhide for 28 years. We have two kids, Abby, our oldest. um, Our daughter is 27 and she teaches at Elkins High School in Northwest Arkansas. And her husband teaches at uh, Fayetteville High School, and his name is Campbell. And then my son is 24, and he live he lives in Northwest Arkansas as well. And he's currently working in surgical sales. And I'm a teacher. I'm a special education teacher. I've been teaching for 21 years, uh, most of that time in Central Arkansas, and currently I'm at Conway High School. Uh, and I live in Greenbrier, which is just north of Conway. As far as my uh, faith uh, journey goes, I would say I have always been a believer in Jesus. As far back as I can remember, I've always believed in him. I just believed uh, in him and his story. I believed the Bible. Um, I've not always walked out my faith or lived as a Christian. Um, I have definitely wandered, um, had my ups and downs. Uh, but Jesus is steadfast. He is faithful. Um, just like Isaiah 62, 3 says, the Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see. Mm-hmm. He has been faithful and has held me uh, my entire life. I, I know, I just know he's been there. It's just a beautiful scripture. I really love that. I've had many experiences I'd love to share with you, but the one that I want to share today is probably the most recent. Um, it happened in 2020 when the entire world seemed like it was turned upside down. Uh, The time of refining uh, occurred in 2020, like I said, and at that time, I found myself at home a lot along with the rest of the world. Um, At first, I stayed busy with online school responsibilities. We were finishing out that year, um, you know, in the spring. And as it went into May and uh, the kids were finishing up school online, I enjoyed a lot of uh, extra time with my husband. He was home and we were there together a lot, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then sometime in June, I think it was, I remember wanting to spend some quality time with God. And I just felt really drawn uh, to do that to him. Um, I can still see myself sitting down on this little rug that I have in a small sitting area in front of a window and spreading the word open on the floor. Um, I opened to Daniel and the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three servants of God who were thrown into the fire by Nebuchadnezzar for refusing to bow down and worship the golden statue that he set up. I read about how Nebuchadnezzar, you know, jumped up and he was shocked to uh, when he looked in the furnace and saw a fourth man there and said, didn't we throw three men bound into the furnace of flaming fire? 
I see four men walking around inside the fire and they aren't hurt. And the fourth one looks like one of the gods. And I remember reading this story before. I was familiar with this story, uh, but it had been a while since I read it. And so when I read through the whole, I read through the whole section, I knew something special was going on. I read it. I could just, I could just feel the spirit, the Holy Spirit, um, just quickening to me that this, you know, he was drawing me to this specific area of the Bible and this story for a reason. So I knew I was about to go through a fire. I knew that something was about to happen in our lives. I remember reading, you know, just focusing and honing in on how the three men were burned by the fire uh, and not a hair on their head was singed and their clothes weren't burned and they didn't even smell like fire. And I was just amazed by that. I mean, I was just like blown away again as if it was the first time I'd ever read it. it the, the word just became real and alive. And my mind was reeling, of course. It was just, you know, I had so many questions for God and, and thoughts in my head. Uh, I knew this was a now word for me. I knew God was preparing me for something to come. I was asking in my head, you know, am I hearing you correctly? Uh, what does this mean for me? What kind of fire am I going to go through? Just all these questions, just rapid fire, you know, in my mind uh, were happening. When is this going to happen? You know, on and on. And God quickly confirmed his word uh, as he always does. He's so faithful to do that. Or it's been my experience that he has with me always when he has had a communication with me. He's if I, you know, I'll look for it, he'll confirm it and I'll hear it again somewhere else. And, and that happened again this time as well. A short time later, I think it was on the same day, I heard a preacher uh, talking about the story of Fourth Man in the Fire. And, you know, of course, there can be coincidences. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm completely aware that preachers have stories and they play them and sometimes things get repeated or whatever, but to have it happen that same day, that exact same story, you know, it just, my antenna, my spiritual antenna were up. And then on the radio again, that very same day later, when I was in the car, mm -hmm. you know, a different preacher, uh, a different uh, station, whatever, uh, and the same story. So that to me was like too coincidental to just be happenstance or whatever. So um, I knew that God was confirming that I was on the right track, that this was his word and what he was telling me. Um, and I was excited, actually. It was kind of strange how, you know, I wasn't at that moment. I wasn't afraid or worried at all. I was just thrilled that God was talking to me. I was so excited. Sure. And, you know, I wanted to tell my husband, actually, I was driving, he was at a gas station and I was in my vehicle and, and I, I just remember pulling up in the gas station where he was and just jumping out of the car and saying, Hey, Hey, God's talking to me. You know, <laughs> he's telling me we're going to go through this fire. We're going to go through fire. And, and I'm excited, like it's something so great. And of course, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect. So I was just, you know, full of excitement and happiness because he was speaking to me and um, just communicating with me. So I don't know. It's kind of funny to look back on it now, but um, that's actually what happened. I was excited about it. Um, but you had no fear. Right. Right. I didn't have any <laughs> at that time. Right. When did you first realize you were in the fire? Uh, well, I first realized I was in the fire um, 
it was just a few weeks after that, actually, after God had warned me through his word, through that story, uh, my husband was fired from his job. And uh, my husband's never been fired. Um, we've been married 28 years and, you know, we've never, I mean, has he moved around in jobs? Yes, but never been fired from one. And, mm -hmm. and that happened. It was pretty devastating for him and to watch him go through that. So that's when the fire kind of roared to life. Then the next week, uh, my son, who lives in Fayetteville, was working out at a gym doing squats when, he, when his back went out. He, he had, had an old injury. Uh, that had been rehabbed, but, you know, he re-injured it, and now it was an acute injury, and he was going to have to have back surgery. Then my daughter decided that she was going to elope due to the, due to the pandemic. I mean, it was just like all of a sudden, all the stuff, bam, 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 was happening, mm -hmm. um, and I was just kind of overwhelmed by everything. We were going to have the wedding, but with all the COVID rules and regulations, you know, you couldn't get people together, so all these things happened just one right after the other. Um, and that, you know, there was no quick fix to this. This was going to be a long term thing. Um, at one point, a few months into this, at first, of course, everything was fine. And, and we got over the initial shock and, uh, all the emotion and we settled into a routine. Um, I went back to work at school in the fall and, you know, he was at home and we just dealt with it. Um, he started getting into the word and spending time with God and uh, life just kind of continued on and, and God took care of us. Um, and actually there were some other things that happened in November. He actually got a job offer, but we were going to have to move to Oklahoma City and um, we weren't sure about doing that. Of course, I wanted him to do it because it was a job, you know, and he didn't have it. And I thought, well, this is it. This is God's answer. And um, we prayed about it. And actually, he, for reasons I won't go into, he turned that job down. And then we went into December. Um, and my brother-in-law was almost killed in a four-wheeler accident. And it just seemed like, okay, here we go again, you know. So it happened really fast, a couple of events, and then we, we slowed down and got back into a life routine, and then things would happen again. And so it was just like waves. Um, we faced conflict, just like, just like it says in 2 Corinthians, we faced conflict from every direction and with battles on the outside, fear on the inside, but God who encourages those who are discouraged encouraged us, and he kept us through every one of these events. It was, it was really amazing. Yeah. Well, can you share with us what your biggest challenge was on the journey? For me, the biggest challenge personally was remaining consistent in my faith. Mm -hmm. um, even though the Lord lovingly warned us, it was still a shock when those events happened. Um, I, I know that may seem odd, but yes, he warned us and I was excited at first. But then when it, when it hit, I didn't know what was going to happen. And, and where it was going to come from, what the details were going to be, you know. Um, so it was still a shock when it first happened, when he lost his job. And, and of course, I worried about uh, finances and how are we going to make it. And um, it's still depending on us some and just all the things that go through your mind. And you want to believe and you hope that as a Christian that you'll handle things differently because of your faith. But your flesh, you know, you're still flesh. 
Mm-hmm. And and though we're blood bought and redeemed, we still have things to conquer. We still have to control our emotions. Um, and controlling my emotions has always been a weakness for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty dramatic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to throw that out there. I have a flair for the drama. <laughs> anyway, leaning on my faith uh, daily is one thing, right? You know, just, yeah. but leaning on it for a long time like that, um, for more than just a few days or a week, that's completely something else. You know, I've, I've always prayed and had to lean on my faith at different times in life. If we had a job change or, or we've moved several times, or if you buy a house or a car, you know, just have these life events, choosing the school for your child, that's one level of faith. But then you have those really big faith draining events, such as a divorce or an illness or severe injury, uh, you know, a death, uh, things like that. And, you really have to tap into that special faith that you have stored up in those deep places. You know, our faith, honey holes is what I like right. to recently within the last year. And we studied Elijah. And so um, that really, that his story sticks out to me a lot. Um, I wondered about Elijah as he was sitting by that brook where God told him to go or put him. And as it began to dry up, I don't know if you're familiar with this, the story mm-hmm. that the, the brook begins to dry up and every day the flow of water gets smaller and smaller until there's just a trickle. And the intensity of the situation just increases day after day as he watches the source of life, giving water dry up, you know, until it's gone. And then all you have to look at is God, your true source. And that really resonated with me. I really felt like that was sort of what I was watching happen in my own life in a a financial way. You know, our money uh, was going out of our account month after month. And yes, I was teaching, but my salary was not keeping up with what our household expenses were. And uh, I just watched our savings get smaller and smaller, just like the brook, you know, it was drying up. But to look back on it from where I am now, the funny thing is that uh, we were really never in that much danger. It could have been so much worse, but it, it it was almost like it was this simulation that God was taking us through mm-hmm. and walking us through. There may be way more reasons, you know, that this all happened. And, and my husband and I have talked about this. One reason was we felt like it might've even been a protection for him because of COVID going on that he was taken out of a dangerous situation because he, he works in uh, the medical field, sort of, he's in medical sales and has hospitals and doctor's offices. And he had this job that actually paid him. It was the best paying job that he had ever had that the one that he lost. Mm -hmm. And so the six months that he would only had it for six months, the six months he had it, we ended up getting a year's worth of salary before he got fired. So it was like he was, it was a setup. So I just, we just look back now and we're just, we'll just shake our heads and, and just in awe or wonder of, of the whole thing. It, it was really amazing. And, and we deepened our faith and, and clung to God really strongly. Um, we clung to each other uh, it just did so much in us. This this one event just did so much with us and in us spiritually and, and in our relationship. It's it's really turned out to be a blessing. And just like you said earlier, the scripture, when the guys came out of the fire, that they didn't even smell like smoke. And, and you clung to that promise. 
Oh, I did. I absolutely did. I absolutely did in every way. I mean, that I hung on to that more than I've hung on to just about anything in a long time was that word of God and that story and about how he promised that, you know, we wouldn't even smell like smoke. And we didn't. It was true to the word. We didn't. We didn't, you know, we were not hurt. We were not hurt in the long term. Um, the way everything just just worked out was just beautiful. It really, really was. It was it was God. Yeah. Praise God for that. Well, what did the enemy want you so desperately to believe as you're going through these trials? You know, I thought about this and um, I don't know. I think the enemy really wanted me to be just in complete fear. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so easy to get caught up in fear. Um, And I don't know if it just happens to me more than most people, but (laughs) that seems to be, you know, the fear anxiety thing. Uh, seems to be one of my weaknesses um, that I can easily not even realize that has come on me, you know, until you start feeling these physical effects and, and then you're deep in it, you know, you're in the grips of it. Um, He wanted me, I know he wanted me to doubt his integrity, you know, God's word. Uh, It's, we, we shouldn't judge God by ourselves or other humans. You know, God keeps his word. He's not a liar. He's not like, a human being, you know, that we are flawed and, and we say we're going to do something and then we don't follow through. Um, and maybe not even with any bad intentions, you know, just things happen. Sometimes we can't keep our word. We can't keep our promises. You know, we tell our kids we're going to do this and, and we can't do it because of circumstances. Like we wanted to go to Colorado, you know, and then all the financial trouble we had, we just, we couldn't make that happen. You know, so we can't always keep our word, but God does. He always keeps his word. And I think that that is the same thing, you know, that that is the problem that's been going on since humanity began is that the devil wants you to doubt God, to doubt Mm -hmm. his word and to be in fear. What do you know now that you wish you knew then? I wish I wish I would have known to relax. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I know that sounds so simple, but just to not try so hard to fix everything because I wanted to know everything. I wanted to know all the details, you know, of how it would end and the timeline. You know, I don't know if that's just a female thing, but I want to know. I think it's a control thing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I want to know all the issues. You know, I want to know everything and outs. Tell me more. Um, but, you know, that's not the way it works with God. And uh, so I knew in my heart that everything would be all right, uh, but I didn't know how. And since I didn't know the future, I was constantly looking, you know, towards the horizon and jumping at everything, asking, OK, is this it? Is this what we do? Uh, does he need to take this job? We need to move to Oklahoma City. Do we need to sell this? Do we need to, you know, it's just questioning and, and constantly trying to fix things and I wish I would have known just, just Kelly, just relax, you know, just relax, let go and let God. So I think waiting was another lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it says that uh, in the Bible, God says that those who wait on me will never be ashamed. And that is true. It is absolutely true. But waiting is so hard, you know, a waiting is a hard lesson. And, I think waiting is a season um, and seasonal changes cause growth. 
Um, there's a lot that takes place under the surface, you know, down in the soil mm-hmm. uh, during different seasons that we can't see. And that's the same thing spiritually that happens. There's a season. God says there's a season for everything and a time for every matter. And the Bible also says that God determines the seasons in Daniel 2.21. Um, you really can't make it happen any faster. And <laughs> that's, you know, that's something we can't rush it. There's a determined time for the beginning and the end of every season. And we have no control over that. Um, to make it easier, someone told me to make my waiting less goal-oriented and more God-oriented. And I wanted to mention that because I thought that was really good. I'm not even sure where that came from. It might have been a pastor at church or I don't know where. I just just found it in my journal that I had written that down. Make your waiting, you know, less goal-oriented and make it more God-oriented. That's good. So what do you think most people misunderstand about the refining process? I think they misunderstand that that that's a form of love. Um, You know, we talk about love a lot in our culture. Um, We talk about being kind to each other and loving each other and loving everyone. But love doesn't always come in the same form. And I think people don't understand that the refining process is just another expression of love. We tend to think of love as just that sweet, kind, generous, gracious, and giving nature of God. And it is that, but there's more to it. There's an aspect of love that some consider rough or hard. Um, You know, love involves discipline sometimes, or training, or work, or sometimes it involves a little bit of isolation. And these forms of love may not seem pleasant. And they're not when you're going through them, but they are not punishment. Isolation does not necessarily equate to punishment. You know, Jesus was alone in the desert when he was tested. Elijah was alone by the brook when God fed him using the ravens and he waited there for quite a while as the brook dried up. I can't imagine what, you know, was going through his mind as he went through that. And the stress must have been intense, but he he did not move until God said to move. And I think another thing is obedience is key. Uh, obedience is hard. Discipline's hard. Consistency is hard. Mm-hmm. These are all aspects of a mature Christian. And these are the things that I'm definitely still working on. I mean, I struggle to discipline myself, my kids, even my dogs. I mean, if you know me and you know my dog. <laughs> at all, I had to shut some doors to keep them out of here. You know? yes. um, my students... At school, you know, they give me a good sob story and I'll give them a second chance every time. I mean, I'm, they know I'm a pushover, you know, and my dog just put those eyes on me and I'll give them a treat. I'm toast. <laughs> so, I mean, I've got a lot of things that I still need to work on, but I think we need to, as, as Christians, we need to push for those, those more mature aspects of Christianity and we need to go through these times. And, and again, like I said, it's not... It's, it's it's still a form of love it may be a difficult time but god loves us and he will love you through whatever difficult time you're going through thank you for being so transparent with your life today why do you think it's so hard for most people to be transparent well no one likes to admit they're weak <laughs> true you know like i just said no one wants to admit that they're a pushover or they're flawed like i just did um 
we you know, human beings have been covering our sins since the fall and since Adam and Eve hid from God in the garden. And we're still trying to cover our sins. And in our feeble thinking, no one can see our sin, you know, in our lives. But nothing's further than the truth. I mean, other people see it. God certainly sees it. We're not fooling anyone. We are sinners, you know, and we are we are saved, but we we still sin, you know, sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes hourly on bad days. You know, we still have things that we struggle with. First John 1 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. The good news is that Christ paid for our sins. It is his righteousness that we wear, not our own. But I don't know why we lie to ourselves and each other in this way. When we confess, we find freedom. So we should confess and unburden ourselves. You know, we, everybody needs a, somebody that they can confess to, a spouse, a friend, a mentor, um, you know, a, even if it's just a journal that you, you know, write down things in, you ultimately, God, we should be transparent with, right? He already knows our sins anyway. So I think, I think there's a lot of power in confession that we are not tapping into and that that might be a good another good podcast good idea (laughs) you know the power of confession I don't know think about that one what was the catalyst that positioned you to walk out of the fire uh the catalyst that positioned us to walk out of the fire well my son had surgery and he he recovered my brother-in-law that, you know, almost died, he recovered. Uh, and then my daughter and I began planning a wedding celebration kind of thing. And my husband got employed again. So mm-hmm. these things all happened in the spring of 2021, pretty, pretty close to each other, December, January, you know, and then it just every month something, a prayer was answered a situation was resolved. So that's how we began walking out of it. It's about a nine to 10 month period total, I think, that we were in that situation. What advice would you give to someone that may be walking a path like your own? Well, the short version of my advice would be, don't worry, God's got this. (laughs) And that's easy to say from the outside, but practically speaking, uh, I did think about this um and you know there's a I love acronyms because I'm a teacher so (laughs) I came up with an acronym it's rest and release it to God uh easy does it one step at a time and trust him in the process that was my acronym that's good thank you (laughs) um you know I think you've got to do a couple different things and I'll use a some a sport analogy since my husband was a football player my son played baseball sports is kind of a part of our life so um you need to play offense right you need to turn off the world mm-hmm. turn off the tv and the news you need to get in the word stay in the word uh it says that those that delight in the law of the lord meditating on it day and night they are like trees planted along the river bank and they bear fruit in every season their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do you need to lean on God and his promises. Make yourself some scripture cards and use them. That's, uh, you know, a real practical, powerful thing you can do. 
renew your thinking, listen to good preaching, you know, some worship music, read stories about other Christians who have overcome difficult things. Um, I know during this time, God led me to the story of the Hall family, which was a missionary family that um, was put into a type of internment camp during World War II. And it was an incredible, incredible story. And I just happened to come across it, you know, uh, around the Christmas time. And uh, it, it was just really meaningful to me to watch or read about someone else who had gone through something so much more difficult than what I was going through. You just made my, you know, my problems seem, well, it just gave me better perspective, made them seem less, less, smaller, less big. Right. Uh, Play defense would be another thing back to the sports analogy. You know, it's okay. I think people need to know it's okay to say no to social obligations and to spend time alone with God and his word. Um, to rest, you know, take care of yourself and other people are just going to have to understand if you can't always go out to dinner, you know, or after Sunday and Sunday after church, you can't go out and shopping or to lunch with them. You're avoiding temptation or because you're on a budget, you know, I think people will just have to realize that, you know, and accept that the devil's not going to play fair. He's going to kick you when you're down. That's for sure. Um, and you don't want to isolate too much. Uh, you know, you still want to have contact with your friends and especially those that are praying friends. Those are going to pick you up and keep you going and encourage you. Um, and then another thing we'll go, go off of that is, uh, you know, to have a team or get a coach. And that would be, you know, when things get really hard, um, you need and you feel like you're, you're slipping or you need some help. You need to get, some help, you know, call someone, have a go to friend on speed dial. Um have someone that you can have a support group uh, or a support system around you, you know, your church uh, or your, your Bible study group or your a friend, um, someone that you can call at any time of day or night and that will pray with you, you know, and get prayer, surround yourself with prayer. I would often ask the church for prayer. I mean, all the time, you know, it, it doesn't matter how many times you, you call and ask for prayer. If you need it, get it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing I would say would be give yourself grace. Um, it's easier. It seems like to give grace to other people than it is to give it to ourselves. So sometimes you're not going to have a good day and you're going to cry and it's okay. You know, it cleanses the soul and, um, you just get back up after that and keep going. Where are you in your relationship with Christ now and what made motivates you to get up in the morning? (laughs) Well, I feel like I'm in a, I'm in a good place. Uh, I have a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus and my passion for him and his word has definitely been renewed after this whole experience. I think my husband has deepened his, his faith as well. Um, I knew him before, but now I know him even more and in a different way. I, I know his character and his ability to keep me, not because I read it in a book or, you know, read, about someone else going through it, but because I actually went through it and have firsthand knowledge, I think I'm, I think, I hope I'm more sensitive to the Holy Spirit uh, and the way that he communicates now that I've been through this. Am I perfect? Definitely not. I still stumble. I still get frustrated with myself, with other humans. We're all a work in progress. 
I was a mess when he saved me and I'm still a mess. I'm just becoming less of a mess. <laughs> as far as what motivates me to get up, I would guess that would have to be my dogs. Because they, <laughs> they, they wake me up, you know, so I don't have a, a, an option, but um, no, seriously, um, you know, God gets me up and keeps me going, um, staying in the word and, and watching uh, my husband's journey of faith has been really inspiring. I have a few incredible friends who are real strong in the faith. They keep me going and um, we get together and do Bible studies and share life and do fun things too. And I think part of it is also just some grit that you learn or have as a mom that you, you know, when things happen, you don't have a choice. You have to keep going. So, so what is your favorite Bible verse and why does it speak to you? You know, this is impossible. I don't know how anyone (laughs) one Bible verse and says, oh, this is the one, you know, forever, because it constantly changes throughout your life and through different seasons, you have different Bible verses. And I can tell you uh, one right now or the one that God gave to me um, when I was going through this was Romans 8.28 which is, uh, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And in all things, you know, good times and bad for better, for worse. God works for the good of those who love him. He works, he loves, he forgives, he corrects, he protects, he provides. He's our shepherd. You know, um, that what that scripture was just everything to me. And I still have it taped on my, my laptop <laughs> at school. Um, but there were a lot of great scriptures, you know, um, Psalms 46, 10, be still and know that I'm God. Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything. Isaiah 55, 12, you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Psalms 1, 2, and 3, the delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. There's just so many. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't list. I guess I can't go over them all. I mean, I've got a bunch written here, but <laughs> We'll just stick with the Romans 828. How's that? That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for, you know, jumping on this podcast and sharing today all the way from Conway with me being in Northwest Arkansas. I just, I appreciate you and I appreciate the time that I was able to spend with you when we lived in Cabot and worked at the same school together. I believe God placed us together for a reason. Um, Definitely. Yeah. yeah, I believe that because I grew so much during that time um, while I was there. I know it was six months, but I look at my bookshelf and I know which sections of books I read during those six months <laughs> really? while we were there. That um, was a short time. And it is kind of amazing that we connected so strongly in, in such a quick amount of time and that we've just you know, we live in different places, but we, we keep up with each other. And I know I can always lean on you and call on you if I need a praying friend. Right. And I thank you for that. I really appreciate you, Deb. Well, I thank you. And I will talk to you soon, my friend. All right. You take care. All right. Thank you for listening today. For more information, check out upcoming Fireside Conversations and more information on my guests by clicking on my website at debbollinger.com. Be sure to join me Fireside next week as we dive into more of the refining process and how others' lives change as a result of their walk through the refining fires.